I want you to hit me as hard as you can. They called him the next Spielberg, and his twist and turns still have us scratching our heads. Sometimes for better, and sometimes for worse. But we still love him, till death do us part. Bruce Willis is a ghost, spoiler alert. The name M. Night Shyamalan conjures up memories of the best and worst of cinema. With a career that covers some marvelous motion pictures, and some questionable choices. So how did one man go from being the next Steven Spielberg to being the new Ed Wood? But I'm gonna be honest, I have lots of respect for this filmmaker, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. I love how he always uses interesting camera angles and long takes full of tension. And the colors, look at all those colors, they always represent something, like good or evil or alive or dead, something supernatural or something super. The colors can even represent a character's personality, or just the underlining theme of the motion picture. Like, you cannot deny, M. Night Shyamalan, he's a creative dude. And there's always something, something great about all of his films. The talent is obviously there, but sometimes it seems misguided. And for a time, you could obviously tell that his films were getting progressively worse. Like worse and worse and worse and worse. He entered the world of movie making and instantly became a box office king. But did his ego and his genius get in the way of making more good movies? Was he too good too soon? And did that lead to impossible expectations? Tonight we try to answer all of those questions and more. Like this question, what the f*** happened to M. Night Shyamalan? Oh yes, and there, there will be spoilers. Lots, lots and lots of spoilers. M. Night Shyamalan was born with a different name that I'm not going to try to pronounce in India in 1970. Then he moved to Pennsylvania a few short weeks later and has stayed loyal to his state, shooting most of his films there. Young Mr. M added the knight to his name during his crazy college days at NYU. Cause that's that's what crazy crazy college kids do. He also wanted his name to stand out and in it and it worked. Night. Everybody likes the night. His first film was an intimate drama called Praying with Anger, about an alienated Americanized teenager of East Indian heritage who goes back to India to discover his roots. M. Night Shyamalan directed, wrote, and starred, not just a cameo, that's right, he starred in this one, and it did alright in the film festival circuit. I, I watched it. It's a decent debut. Then it was time for Shyamalan to get woke and wide awake. Contrary to popular belief, his first big theatrical movie was not The Sixth Sense, no, it was in fact this now classic uh, Rosie O'Donnell movie? Classic? Question mark? And I actually watched this family-friendly flick about faith, you know, cause uh, research, I guess. And believe it or not, it actually has a Sixth Sense-like twist. One of the characters ends up being an angel or something. At the very end, he like walks away to heaven and it's like, I've been an angel this whole time! Time, 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 time. So Wide Awake is the origin of the M. Night twist which sounds delicious. At this point in his career, M. Night had gained a reputation as a writer, pinning or typing up the screenplays for such films as Stuart Little and She's All That. 
which also has a major M. Night Shyamalan plot twist. It turns out that she was all that all along. What a twist! At this point, Shyamalan started shopping around his spec script of The Sixth Sense, which after a number of negotiations from a few different studios, he was able to secure his spot in the director's chair. And yes, that's where he belonged. Making a fantastic, suspenseful horror film following in the footsteps of Alfred Hitchcock. Also following in those footsteps of Hitchcock, he included a cameo of himself as a doctor, because that's what his parents really wanted him to grow up to be. The film went on to make an incredible $672 million worldwide. It was the second highest grossing film of 1999, right behind Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. And this film about phantoms would go on to become a pop cultural phenomenon. Everyone, everyone was quoting it. They still are. Still, to this day, whenever I see some dead people, I go, I see dead people. I say the, I say the line, I see dead people. And every single time, everybody laughs. Even when it's inappropriate, which is actually most, most of the time. The Sixth Sense is such a great movie. And because of word of mouth, it made more money on the second weekend than it did opening weekend. Because everybody was telling everybody you gotta go see this movie and they didn't even spoil it. Can you believe it? The Sixth Sense was huge. And I was actually terrified of that vomit scene where Haley Joel Osment gets slimed by that OC girl. And it's not like Ghostbusters ghosts getting slimed. No, this is, this is, this is, this is like, this is different. The film would go on to get six Academy Award nominations, including two for M. Night, Best Director, Best Screenplay, and even young Master Osmond got a nomination for Best Supporting Actor. But he's just a kid. Shyamalan said he wrote the lead specifically for Bruce Willis. And oh yeah, Bruce Willis, he's in this and he's a ghost the whole time, in case you forgot. That twist ending has gone down as one of the best of all time. It was one of the twistiest twisting twisters ever. And that twist, it was so twisty that audiences seemed to demand a twist from this young filmmaker every single time. You just give me a chance. <laughs> At this point in his career, M. Night felt unbreakable, so he made Unbreakable. M. Night's personal favorite film of his own, and most people would agree, actually. Time Magazine in 2011 ranked it number four on its list of the top 10 superhero movies of all time, and Tarantino always lists it as one of his favorites, too. It did not make as much money as The Sixth Sense, but, you know, most things don't. Samuel L. Jackson does a great job as Mr. Glass, playing kind of a bizarro Nick Fury, but Unbreakable has gone down as one of the greats. It's such an interesting, grounded, gritty approach to the superhero blockbuster movie before that was really even a thing at that time. Then came Signs, another great M. Night film that does have, you know, a few flaws. People were starting to see that M. Night might not be the perfect movie-making machine after all, but he's still pretty damn close. I mean, come on, I like Signs a lot. And I know a lot of people that really like Signs. I also know a lot of people that, that don't. It's, it's the issue that divides our country, or the, the world, actually. Even the universe, because we don't even know how aliens feel about this. I'm sure they're offended. Like, why would we invade a planet covered in water if that's our kryptonite? So yeah, I'm pretty sure this is a politically incorrect depiction of extraterrestrial beings. And on behalf of M. Night Shyamalan and all of us Earthlings, we sorry. Don't, don't attack us and kill us all. 
But yeah, Signs, Signs, it's a movie. I like it. It's a good movie. I saw it a couple times in theaters. M. Night Shyamalan says that his inspiration came from the movies The Birds, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and The Night of the Living Dead. You know, like ma major apocalyptic things are going on outside, but the story focuses on a smaller, intimate point of view. And I really like that about Signs. You know, when the hand comes through and you're like, oh my god! And this film does a wonderful job of the less is more technique. The aliens only appear in the movie for like less than two minutes, and that's still too much. And like I said, I am more forgiving of this film than most people. And I, I would actually, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand my ground and say, yeah, it's Signs is a good movie, just, just not as good as, as, as others. <laughs> but then came The Village, which I kind of like too. Shut up. It was 2004, and by this time, Shyamalan had built a reputation as the king of the thriller and the surprise ending. So the pressure was on to keep on that trend. So he made The Village, a period piece about a town where the village people can't go out at night because because there's monsters and they're going to eat them. Critics were lukewarm on this, giving it a 43% on Rotten Tomatoes. And most critics said that the big twist ending lacked the usual M. Night Shyamalan flair. Roger Ebert even called it a colossal miscalculation. Unfortunately, this slow burn mystery was advertised as an intense horror flick, and that threw audiences' expectations off a bit. But here is my own M. Night Shyamalan twist. I actually like this movie, I dug the ending. It's like, oh my god, it's modern day and, and they're not monsters, they're just, they're just old guys in cosplay and Adrian Brody? Like, I, I'm, I'm serious, I liked it. I think this film deserves a second chance. Go watch it again and, and, and clear your mind. Don't, don't, don't watch the trailers, just clear your mind, forget what the movie is, and watch The Village again. It's, it's got, it's got some good moments. It's good, shut up! Then Shyamalan took a dip in the deep end, and the shallow end, with Lady in the Water. A pretentious mess of a mermaid movie, if I do say so myself, and myself does say so. He calls it a story about storytelling. It was his first outright flop, grossing $72 million on only a $70 million budget, plus the $70 million it took to advertise the damn thing. And boy howdy did they advertise this one wrong, like, like they do with most of his films. M. Night was given millions and millions and millions of buckaroos and complete creative freedom. And I really like freedom. It's one of my favorite things. But sometimes when it comes to making movies, too much freedom could be a bad thing. The plot is based off of a bedtime story that he would tell his children. So M. Night Shyamalan tells his children about grass monkeys fighting grass wolves before they fall asleep. Once upon a time, there was a guy who only lifted weights with one arm, and a mermaid in a pool, and a film critic who hates your dad. The film is very meta, and if you step back and think, it's really about M. Night Shyamalan himself. And he even casts himself as a writer who will change the world one day, by dying for our sins, or you know, something, something like that. And a big criticism about the film is the film critic character himself, who criticizes everything and then gets eaten by a big grass wolf. 
It felt like M. Night Shyamalan was putting a hit out on all of his haters through that one, getting some cinematic vengeance through a wolf made of grass. Lady in the Water won, that's in quotes, won. Razzies for Worst Director and Worst Supporting Actor both going to M. Night Shyamalan. Congratulations. And only 25% on those tomatoes that are rotten. And the production of this film was so chaotic and hectic that it inspired a book. Somebody actually wrote a book about it. And if you read books, go read this one. It was written in 2006 and it was called The Man Who Heard Voices or How M. Night Shyamalan Risked His Career on a Fairy Tale, which looks at his process and first major failure. Yep, there was so much failure that they wrote a book about it. Hashtag fail. <laughs> then the happening happened and the trailer was good. It felt like a comeback, but no, it was even worse. So what the f was happening to M. Night? He was fresh off of two bombs, The Village, which I liked, and Lady in the Water, which everyone hates. So all eyes were on his next film to reignite the genius that is M. Night Shyamalan. And this looked like a return to the classic M. Night Shyamalan stuff we know and love. Plus, it was his first R-rated movie. And you know how we like those R-rated movies. Expectations were high. And then it was released, and, um... You know. Trees. The wind. They were, they were airbending people to kill themselves or something. Marky Mark publicly stated that he regrets making this stupid, 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 stupid movie. But this one has made its way onto many worst movies of all time lists. And it's gonna stay there for a while. But I actually recommend re-watching this movie as a comedy. It's actually a pretty funny spoof. M. Night really missed a chance to pull a Tommy Wiseau there, you know, the room guy, and claim that he was making a funny movie on purpose this whole time. He could have said it was an artistic experiment. The twist was that he was parodying himself. I would have fallen for it. Plan on murdering me in my sleep. What? No. Then, the year 2010 brought us The Last Airbender, a Shyamalan film that really doesn't fit in with the rest, but, you know, okay. I haven't seen the amazing anime that it's based upon, and yes, I know it's the greatest thing ever made, and one day I may consider thinking about watching it. But, but, I, but I've seen this movie, and it's god-awful. Oh my god! It's horrible. So horrible. But M. Night Shyamalan said it was everything he's ever wanted in a movie. Fantasy, martial arts, spiritualism, lots of CGI, and air, and water, and fire, and, and dirt. He was criticized for casting crackers as Asian characters, because anime, I guess. M. Night strongly dismisses these whitewashing claims, and says that The Last Airbender is the most diverse film of all time. But this production was a little overwhelming for poor Shyamalan. He says that The Last Airbender got too big and he became exhausted and lost control of the movie. It won the Razzie for Worst Picture, Worst Director, and Worst Screenplay. Prior to the film's release, M. Night Shyamalan told Entertainment Weekly that he considers this to be his best movie, but he has since disowned it, calling it a junk movie. Junk. 
Then in 2010, there was a movie called Devil. M. Night came up with the story and produced this film, but he didn't direct it or write it, so I don't even know why I'm talking about it. Moving on to the year 2013, and that brought us the film After Earth. By this time, M. Night Shyamalan's name was not being plastered all over the advertisements. It was actually being strategically hidden this time. And I even knew people that considered themselves movie buffs, and they didn't even know that this was an M. Night Shyamalan movie until the credits came up. Which is the ultimate M. Night Shyamalan twist, actually, if you think about it. M. Night Shyamalan said that this was his dream project. But this dream project became a nightmare. A boring nightmare. A boring nightmare with horrible CGI, and even worse acting from father and son. And of course it won three Razzies, worst actor, worst supporting actor, and worst acting combo. Congratulations, you guys. Then he ventured into the world of television with Wayward Pines. Knight was an executive producer for this series and he directed the pilot episode, which is pretty good. The first season's, yeah, it's pretty good. And the second season was, you know, a second season. And after two massive flops, Last Airbender and After Earth, M. Night Shyamalan made The Visit with his own money. It was a refreshing film to see come out of this master movie maker, taking on the found footage genre, and for the most part I remember enjoying this film. Yeah, I, I really liked it, except for that one scene with the grandpa diapers. I mean, come on. That's beyond horror. That's what the f right there. WTF. And good for M. Night Shyamalan, the visit was not a complete failure. But still, at this time, obviously he still felt like he was in a creative rut, and we all could feel that. The visit wasn't enough. It was a good step, but he wasn't there yet. M. Night Shyamalan wanted to completely reinvent himself while staying true to his roots. He wanted to be a beginner again. That's a quote. He wanted to tell a smaller story with an itty-bitty budget and work with new people. New cast, new crew, new music, new cinematographer. And this reinvention paid off with the film Split. It was an amazing return to form for Mr. M. Knight. I knew he still had it in him. I believed in him the whole time. I swears it. James McAvoy and all of his personalities are amazing in this one. And since this movie did not cost very much to make, Split was the most profitable movie of 2017. Having a 2,000% return on investment. That's right, 2,000%. I didn't even know percent could get that high. I'm not good at math. And I was amazed at the final twist. But yeah, it's a, it's a sequel to Unbreakable. Spoiler! And, and it truly blew my mind. I was like, yes, that's a twist, for reals! And the movie theater that I was in on opening night was full of young people who had never even heard of Unbreakable, and they could obviously tell that I was freaking out at this twist. So I literally had to explain the twist of this movie, because it was an audience full of people that, you know, are younger than millennials, whatever you call them. But yeah, another reason why I was freaking out, because I actually kind of predicted this twist ending. Actually, a long time ago, I made a little spoof video of that Pixar theory where they say the universe is connected, but I called mine the M. Night Shyamalan theory where I said all of his films are connected, and it was just a joke. But my joke became reality. Go watch it. Check, 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 check it out. It, it's, it's, it, it, go, go see it. So yeah, that's why I was freaking out, because I was like, that's, that's my theory. I was right for once in my life. <laughs> 
And of course, Split was followed by Glass. Knight was back to familiar territory, crafting a follow-up film that needed to meet and exceed expectations. A near impossible feat and one that he sadly did not meet. When Glass was released, it took a beating from critics and only 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. Luckily, it was a financial hit, though, because it didn't cost a lot of money. Knight funded the film himself, just like he did with The Visit and Split, and this has since been his go-to model since working on big-budget films usually led to failure. So it allows him complete control of his movies, and that's what M. Night Shyamalan wants. And M. Night Shyamalan gets what he wants, because he's M. Night Shyamalan. And, and yes, I know, Glass is not a perfect movie, but I, I, I really like it, and I, I'm just glad that it exists. It was definitely built up too much in my mind, because it's everything I've always ever wanted, and never thought was ever gonna happen. But yeah, it was a disappointment. Not horribly bad or anything. It was interesting, it's just not really what I was expecting and what I wanted. But it was a good try. Thanks, M. Knight. Then in 2019 came Servant. It's like a, it's like a it's a TV show, right? Knight is an executive producer on this and he directed the pilot episode and the ninth episode of the first season. It looks really good, but I do not have that Apple TV app that you have to download or whatever to watch these things. Are you watching it? Is it good? Can I have your password? And M Night Shyamalan is showing no signs of slowing down. He just announced his next film. It will be titled Old. And as usual with an M. Night Shyamalan flick, the plot is kept secret. So I don't know, don't ask me. It's scheduled to be released on July 23rd, 2021. That's the future. But you know, that could change because, uh, you know, coronavirus. So, what the f*** happened to M. Night Shyamalan? Well, Mr. M is really just on the artist's journey, and that is a lifelong journey, full of ups and downs. For everyone. He's just doing it in front of the world with all those pesky, pesky critics watching and criticizing him. He's out there getting messy, making mistakes, learning and growing as a filmmaker. And no, not everything he's gonna make is gonna be a pop cultural phenomenon, and not everything he's gonna make is gonna break box office records. But also, not everything he's gonna make is gonna suck maximum suckage. I think he's actually gotten all that crap out of his system, and he's maturing as a filmmaker, while going back to his younger days at the same time, if that, if that makes sense. Because it seems like right now he's on the right track. For now. And I can't wait to see what he comes up with next. Sometimes you have to sink to certain lows in order to rediscover your highs. And that's what M. Night did. He took a look at his failures and realized that he didn't need those massive budgets to tell a good story. And because of those failures, he was able to hone in on the true type of storyteller that he wants to be. And that's what the f*** happened to M. Night Shyamalan.